This is your own fault, girl. Hello and welcome to Chaotic Creations, a podcast where we take weird prompts and make weird Dungeons & Dragons characters. I'm Harper, your lawful nerdy paladin. And I'm Darby, your chaotic tired bard. And welcome to this, our 13th episode. And Darby, we have a lot going on this week. Oh yes, we do. Harper, do you want to tell the lovely folks listening to our podcast what we have going on? Absolutely. So there's a lot of places that you can see our faces live on the internet this week. On Thursday, you can find us on the Noir Enigmas Twitch channel for episode two of The Lonely Throne, an actual play show that Darby and I are on. On Saturday morning, you can find us on Morning Ritual on Critical Misses, where we'll be interviewing with Anita and Noir. And on Sunday evening, you can find me, Harper, on Tales from the Tavern on the Shared Experience Twitch channel. Yes, you can see us in lots of places this week. Lonely Throne is only a four-part series, and if you catch us on Thursday, you can chat with us live while we're watching. And while I won't be on Tales from the Tavern, you can catch me in the chat throwing puns left and right, so out with me in the chat. And Darby, this week we have a very big announcement in the development of this podcast. Huge. And that is that Darby and I are going to be joining the Critical Misses team as content creators. Yes! That means that our podcast is going to appear on the Critical Misses channel during the new year on Thursday mornings, the day after it comes out on your podcast feeds, and reruns of our old episodes will appear on Mondays on the Critical Misses channel. Yes, we're going to be Critical Misses. And on top of that, we're excited to be venturing into new projects with them, things that are in the works that we're excited to show you in the new year. Be sure to go give the Critical Misses Twitch channel a follow and a subscription if you haven't done that already and you'll be able to see a lot more of Darby's and Mai's actual human faces there starting in January of 2021. We are so flabbergasted, grateful, shocked, like adjectives, adjective, adjective, to be given this opportunity to join Critical Misses. Harper and I started this podcast three months ago and looking at where we are now, it's mind-blowing to me. We are so grateful to the Critical Misses team for taking a chance on our weird little podcast and wanting to help us grow our listening community. And we also love them as people. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But Darby, before we start appearing on Critical Misses, do you know what we have to do? Today's episode. That's right. And today we have a very special guest. We have Prue from the Chasing Tales RPG Twitch stream. Yay! That's right, we have our first guest coming from across the Atlantic, and we are so excited to show you the character that we all made together. Yes, how auspicious that this character was made on this, our 13th episode. Well, Darby, I think that without further ado, we should get into this week's episode. So today on the podcast, we have Prue from Chasing Tales. Prue, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Good morning. It's a little cold over here, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad to be here with both of you <laughs> again. <laughs> Cannot relate about the cold, but can relate to being very happy to see you. Yay. A little context for the listeners. We tried to record this once before. Unfortunately, there were a couple of issues and our sweet, sweet boy that we created is not going to be able to be put out into the world, but we loved recording with Prue so much that we just had to have her back on on to get an episode for the podcast so yeah. this is our second try recording with Prue. 
Rust on paper. Yeah, and it's okay. He lives mm-hmm. up in our hearts. He does. This lovely boy. 11 HP and 23 AC. <laughs> a surprisingly functional squishy boy. Mm-hmm. But Prue, this is going to be the first time several of our listeners have heard your lovely voice. Would you mind telling them a little bit about the Chasing Tales game that you're part of? Yeah, sure. So I'm part of a Twitch Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition live stream and we also play other tabletop role-playing games things like monster of the week which we just finished um so chasing tales we stream on twitch on mondays and thursdays at a nice uk time so if you happen to be listening to this and you prefer things in a uk evening we got you covered in D terms we run a long-term huge homebrew campaign that our lovely dm andrew created for us and it's really fun and we have a real good time I absolutely love tuning into Chasing Tales. Your group dynamic just makes my heart smile. We take good care of each other. Prue, how did you get your start in tabletop? So there's two beginnings to the story. One is when I was an undergraduate many, many years ago, a guy on my course said, hey, I'm running some Dungeons and Dragons. You seem like you'd be interested. Do you want to come along? And I did. And I played 3.5. I think it was 3.5. I'm still not sure to this day because I wasn't very focused. I wasn't very attentive. None of us really understood how D&D worked, but to a point where like, I didn't even know there were books. I just kind of got taught by word of mouth how to play. (laughs) And then I studied abroad and everything and so that game just sort of ended up falling apart for me I know the rest of the party carried on and played this huge epic level campaign which is super cool and then I kind of stopped playing for a little bit I would occasionally join like small games here and there and then Andrew who is my current DM reached out when I'm I think I made his Facebook status or something saying hi I know I've got some of you on my friends list here that play tabletop games I'm looking to get back involved with a group I can feel comfortable around because I joined a few games games with like strangers off message boards and they were never quite the right fit because they weren't people I got along with particularly well. Andrew reached out and then I started playing an Andrew's D&D game and then I started running my own West Marches game and then I started listening to loads of D&D podcasts and tabletop role-playing game podcasts and it all just snowballed until this year during lockdown we were like why don't we just start streaming our game and then I made a personal Twitter and I don't know like at 27 I was out here making my first ever personal personal Twitter and making friends of all these lovely tabletop people. And voila, that is the full story. I can definitely relate to many parts of that story, especially having a hard time finding groups to play with. The most fun I've ever had is playing with my friends. And through joining this tabletop podcasting community, I found other people that Darby and I have been lucky to play with. But in those kind of intervening years... It is often hard to find a group that you mesh with if they're not people that you don't already know very well. Yeah, I had the unfortunate circumstance of... It is still a very cis male-dominated hobby and had the unfortunate thing of like having a group where half of them were absolutely lovely and half of them it wasn't the easiest to get along with from that perspective (laughs) is how I will phrase it and there's just things like that that you run into in this community that yeah means sometimes it can get very difficult to play with strangers yeah my my West Marches game was a lot of my um, LGBTQ plus friends were wanting to start playing and I was like ah I will make nice space for you to come and exist in and be crazy characters inside of. A lot of nerd spaces are still dominated by white cisgender straight guys who make it extremely uncomfortable to be in 
their spaces because they just take up all of it. There used to be a game shop that I just point blank would refuse to go to any Magic the Gathering tournaments or really just stay in the shop for any longer than 20 minutes just because some of the people behind the counter could be rude and brusque but then other people in the shop would always either like go like oh what's this a girl or just be complete asses. It's a lot easier to find home to tell sometimes these really emotional and in-depth stories with people you can trust and people you know. Mm -hmm. Well, but I will say that over my course of time playing D&D, over the years, like I've always played at tables with my friends. Like I've played with small groups of people who I didn't know that well, but those never went well. But even in the beginning, I was often the only girl at the table. And I was also usually the only LGBTQ person at the table. And there was always that sense of like, oh, it's the girl. What's your role? The girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know how every action movie has like all of these men that are very different and there's one woman. It's like, how does she differ? She is a straight cis woman. And she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) She's hot and everyone wants to bang her. Yep, that is her core purpose in the movie. And for a long time, even though, you know, I was playing with my friends and we were having fun, that felt like my purpose at the table. And as the years have gone by, I've been at tables that are more and more diverse and it's just been so much more fulfilling to play because the stories are so much better and I feel much more comfortable and that's kind of brought me out of my role-playing shell in the past few years. Yeah, I was going to say the same about role-playing as well. When you're hyper-aware that you're the girl, in air quotes, at the table, even if I'm then playing a masculine character, I like don't want to or feel comfortable embodying it. I'm just hyper-aware of how I'm being perceived. And then as soon as you're at a table where like you can let go of who you are OOC, that's when you can really embody a nice character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of been touching on this so far, but what's your favorite part about tabletop? My favorite bit, which I think is important for this podcast, is embodying and creating characters. I do genuinely really like a lot of the classic pillars. I I like doing combat and I like having a good build and I like exploring, but ultimately it's creating someone who feels unique and exciting and special and getting to go and explore something with them. I think that's my favorite bit definitely is creating these characters and then also like character aesthetics. I'm just mad about character aesthetics. I love how characters look in their settings sure. Yeah, I spend so much time on this website called Pick Crew. I've got like 38 different Pick Crews for one character. And Prue, can you tell us a little bit about your favorite character or couple of characters that you've ever played? Oh, that's really hard. I think you might have asked me last time and I reckon my answer this time will be completely different (laughs) because I do really love them all. I think my favorite probably just is the one from the Chasing Tales long ongoing campaign. She's called Lady Lady Hope Summerhold because she got two noble titles. She was born with one and then got one (laughs) off her own volition as well because she's just really that kind of woman. And I based her completely off Paris Hilton, which means 
on the surface, she's a bimbo. She just loves fashion. She loves parties. She loves hot people and hot things. But actually, deep down, she's like a super ambitious and philanthropic kind person. I have a lot of opinions about Paris Hilton, like very positive <laughs> opinions about Paris Hilton anyway. And so, yeah, that, that's who she is. And also, she's an Asamaba of a draconic goddess. So instead of being your classic fluffy D&D angel with the big feathery wings, she's got like dragon wings and a halo that looks like horns and she's got little dragon scales on her cheeks. And not only that, but her build is quite good, which for me is quite rare. I have done builds in the past where they've been really cool at first and then as I've like leveled the character through a game, they've turned out not to be as useful. But she is a wild magic sorcerer, which is my favourite kind of sorcerer and always will be. Um, I just started a Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game with my little brother and my little brother made a noble who's a wild magic sorcerer and I was like well, this runs in the family baby <laughs> and then she's also a warlock because she got an angel sugar daddy for a bit <laughs> and that was pretty cool and so yeah she's this sorlock multi-class um, we're currently level 11 right now and yeah she's just the fantasy version of Paris Hilton crossed with a dragon angel and I love her <laughs> oh to dream of a level 11 getting there one day I mean we're at 7 now mm-hmm. oh. Tier 3 was our first character death, so Ooh. it has its Ooh. perks and it's Ooh. not perks. I mean, we've come close to character death a few times in our campaign already, and we were only at level 6 when that happened, so... I failed two death saves. <laughs> like, I have also done that a couple of times, and it's funny because Darby's and my characters are the two healers in the party. Both of our characters have come very close to death, and because they're both very religious characters, it's an interesting conversation that our characters have had. Yeah, my character did not have a good time. <laughs> My character was actually kind of fine. This is like a spoiler if you do watch our show and you're not caught up, but the person that they died and we managed to get some resurrection magic to get them back, but was a Spores Druid. And Spores Druids have a very like strange relationship with death and decay. Also, the Spores Druid got to like meet the gods. Like the gods were like just on this huge empty ocean beach and were just like beckoning her in and welcoming her. And then she came back and was like, why did you bring me back? That's not the natural order of things. And then was also, by the way, I met the gods and my character is there. And Asimar, who's dedicated her entire life to like one very specific god, is like, excuse me? Ex- excuse me? You, you met the gods? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how it went in ours. I always got very religious too. I think that religion is such a fun thing to explore within the D&D world, especially if you're like me. I was not raised religious in anyway, but also I have always been very fascinated by the communities that form around religious traditions, and I've always wanted to explore that, but never wanted to convert to a real-world religion myself. I feel like D&D gives me opportunity to explore that community that a religion and a religious tradition creates. Yeah, and I'm, I'm similar to you in the sense that I find people having faith very admirable and being able to feel like there's always someone you can turn to, whether that's a community or a spiritual figure or even a god. And that's not something I personally have. And I love in a game being able to play out trying to understand how that feels, to have that like inherent spirituality just always like on my side and able to kind of look after me in a way. Yeah, it's, it's been nice to play religious characters in d d It just also adds a whole new level when it's a world in which we are sure that the gods exist. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And they at times can interfere in the mortal plane. They exert a very real and powerful presence in your game, which even your DM can like have them, I don't know, just like flatten an enemy. My cleric, she's finally able to use some of those higher level divination magics where she can like receive signs from her god. And it has definitely shifted the way that I play the character. Or you get an angelic (laughs) sugar daddy. That's the other way you handle being able to talk to your god. You're like... Hey, yeah. Can I kiss a giant dragon man, please? (laughs) Thanks. And I, on the other hand, made a cult. Okay, well, Prue, I think that we should go ahead and hop into the character creation portion of this podcast. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'll do my stretches. And you chose for this session to co-create a character with one of us. Mm -hmm. And Darby and I talked about it and I was like, ooh, I've got a fun prompt. So you and Darby are going to be making a character together today and I will be prompting both of you. Okay, sounds great. And I'm giving you a somewhat interesting prompt, which is one that we've actually never done on the show before. I am going to give you a signature weapon that this character uses and I would like you to create a character based based upon that. That's really exciting. Okay, yeah. Darby also does not know what is coming. She has no idea either. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to the equipment page. (laughs) So Darby and Prue, I would like you to please create a character whose signature weapons are a net and trident. (gasps) Yes, yeah. I'm immediately, immediately gladiator. (laughs) Immediately, yeah. Interesting. Not where my mind went, but I like the thought of it. Did you go Aquaman? <laughs> my brain actually kind of went Finnick O'Dare from the Hunger Games, uh, which I guess actually is also technically a gladiator. Yeah. So I guess my brain does go gladiator, and I just think of it more in the background sense. Yours is like two degrees removed from gladiator. Gladiator would make it YA fiction. Gladiator, but uh, throw in a love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a battle royale, but dystopia. <laughs> because Battle Royale isn't already a dystopia. Well, they don't focus as much on the outside society. They're more just like, let's watch these middle schoolers kill each other. Also, if we're going to make a YA gladiator, always a reluctant hero, of course, as well. Yes, of course. I don't want to be here. <laughs> but I guess I will, fine. Ugh. I'm not special, yet somehow I'm so good at using this trident and net that I've never touched before. It's almost like maybe one of my parents was an incredibly skilled net trident user who disappeared many years ago. <laughs> so I think you two should get started by rolling some stats. And the way that we roll stats here on Chaotic Creations is that we roll four six-sided dice. You can re-roll any ones that you get and you add together the three highest numbers to create a stat. And how we're going to do this is Prue, you will roll three numbers and Darby will roll three and we'll see what our spread that we're working with is. So I rolled. It was quite nice. I did roll a 10 and a 16 and a 15. Okay. Noise. I got a 12, a 14, and a 13. Ooh. You know what? That is very close. That's like one step above like your standard array. Uh-huh. And so I think that's a pretty solid start for a character there. Yeah. All positive modifiers, which we... Well, 10 not, but... 
the rest are all positive modifiers. You know, we love not having a negative modifier. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is there any particular racial background or class that stands out that you two want to explore? There's a race that's standing out to me, and it's because I just really want them to fulfill the aesthetic I have in my mind. And it is a Triton. And I do think Tritons... Oh, I have like a funny feeling Tritons might already be proficient with... Tritons and Nets? Yeah, they might. Oh, they don't. They don't, but regardless, I would love to make a Triton. Because Tritons are quite short. I love the idea of like, maybe like a 5'2", very elegant, very refined, doesn't understand the surface world Triton person. I like it. But do you, do you have a preference? Dobby. No, I think a Triton is great. I honestly was thinking more of the background at the moment. I was thinking just gladiator. I'm <laughs> just very kind of latching on this idea of like a YA <laughs> young adult novel. Like <laughs> maybe he's not beautiful like under the sea, but like he comes to the surface and everyone's like, you are gorgeous. And he's like, no, I'm average. I'm ugly. <laughs> I simultaneously, when I was a younger adult, loved YA novels, and also I love racking on them, so... You know, I am, granted, slowly, but approaching the, like, real quote-unquote adult marker of 30. I'm halfway through my 20s, and I'm like... I still love YA novels. I've never stopped reading them. No, I can't. I can't hack them now. Not at this age. <laughs> Having a group of like 17 year olds being like, I like you, but I can't tell you because my destiny bans me. I'm like, oh, just get over it. <laughs> Ugh. Mom, you're stifling me. I'm basically an adult now. I understand how the world works. It's like, no, you don't. What the sh Be quiet. <laughs> I wish I had the capacity to still enjoy YA novels in the sense that there were series that like are still going on that I read as a young adult. Like I loved the Percy Jackson books so mm -hmm. much, but then the second half of them where they were like the Roman gods yeah. kicked in when I was about like 18 mm -hmm. or 19 and they were just like 14 year olds flirting with each other. And I was like, I feel so creepy reading this and I like stopped reading the books yeah so I wish I did have the capacity to still love them because I would love to find out how that works out and how Camp Half-Blood shakes down and how all my lovely Greek and Roman little babies are doing I think the thing that I still love about YA novels is that I think that fiction lately generally has been gripped by cynicism which I think is an appropriate response to the world as it is right now but I also get very very worn out reading cynical worldview after cynical worldview after cynical worldview and cynical takes on fiction. And I'm like, man, one thing that you can say about a YA fantasy novel is that there is always a nugget of idealism at its core that is so refreshing for me. So like, I'll read adult fantasy novels and I'll be like, yeah, this is very interesting and very well done. And I love the themes that it explores. And then I have to go and do a YA palette cleanser to be like, and also the world can be a good place. Yeah. There were a couple YA books I read as a kid. There was this book series called Tunnels. I think it was like set in the UK. It was. And it, there's like a secret world under London that's still all Victorian-y or something. And it's so dark. They're like, spoiler alert, I guess, for a series that came out in 2011. But like the end game of it all was genocide. This is dark. <laughs> So what I'm getting from our conversation is that the background for this character is gladiator parentheses YA protagonist. Yeah, I'm very fascinated by the idea of compiling all the YA tropes of a protagonist into this little Triton boy. <laughs> 
And a YA protagonist is a good one for D&D because YA protagonists are made far better by their friends. Yeah. So I think I think it's a good trope to go with. <laughs> Very true. I guess we need to pick a class and I'm not sure what to pick. I'm thinking a martial class of some sort. You see, and then there's also the option of like Hexblade and literally their trident is their Hexblade weapon. I'm so down. <laughs> Because <laughs> then that is like absolutely signature weapon to its core. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. Okay, I was going to say it would be an interesting take to go full spellcaster on this character, but I quite like it to make this a warlock. All right. Oh, yeah. So, do you make your characters level four? We do make our characters at level four. Nice. However, we do say that in terms of ability scores, you get what you get. So we don't let you take an ability score increase at level four. Instead, we ask that you take a feat at level four. And that feat can increase your ability scores. But we want a little extra. We live for the flavor here. Absolutely. Also, sorry, I'm getting excited now by the idea of them being a Hexblade because it is very YA novel to have charisma as you are to hit with a weapon because it's very like oh i just picked up a trident one day and it spoke to me and somehow they're like this inspiring leader who's like i just met you but i'm now your leader yeah yeah rip to them who tried to change it but i'm different (laughs) that's maze runner hunger games like it's very percy jackson to have a weapon that you can just his sword always returns back to his pocket no matter what it's a pen and he can carry it with him anywhere it doesn't take up a lot of space also, I think it's kind of funny to have like an oddball weapon as like a YA protagonist. Like everyone else is like, I studied the blade or like, I'm a bosun. He's just like, I am Fishman. I use Trident. I'm imagining all the like YA fiction, like main characters all coming and hanging out. And then like this very short, very talented Trident wielding fish person being like, hey guys, what's up? And they're all like, Ooh. <laughs> who, who are you? You're strange. Why aren't you white and brunette and... And afraid of us. Where is your white, blonde, equally charismatic, but smarter than you girlfriend? Oh, yes, of course. Where's your two love interests who are pining after you that you can't decide between, even though they're polar opposites and one of them treats you like shit and the other one is actually nice? (laughs) (laughs) Or my particular favorite where both of them treat you like shit and you have to pick one. (laughs) Yeah. Or the divergent method where it's an angsty bad boy who's like 10 years older than you. Oh, God. (laughs) It's because they have such great chemistry on screen. Also the, oh my gosh, you're so mature for your age. I would never guess that you were this young. A note to possibly young listeners out there, particularly young women, any adult man says that to you, you should not be spending time with them. No, run far away. So there is a problem with Hexblade, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. And I think the problem is, is that a trident isn't a simple weapon. That is true. It is martial. So we don't have a proficiency with a trident. Let's read about Hex Warrior. At first level, you acquire the necessary training to effectively arm yourself for battle. You gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. Yeah! So that is the Hex Warrior ability at first level for a Hexblade. Sweet! So I think we've decided on the gladiator background, correct? Yes. Okay, so I think that we should start by looking into that background and pulling out some nuggets for the character's, you know, personality, ideal, bond, and flaw. I knew it. I knew there was a romantic back here. 
gladiators get proficiency in acrobatics and performance. They get a disguise kit and they get mm-hmm. proficiency with a musical instrument, which I think it'd be great if we could pick the closest thing to conch horn. Oh yeah, let's just pick horn. There's horn horn on the instrument list. It's a conch horn. I think it's horn and sham are the two that I'm thinking of that are very close to that. But I like it's just a conch horn. A honky tonky is not the instrument. Is that an instrument? Okay, so you're thinking of you're thinking of the musical genre honky tonk and the instrument hurdy gurdy. I think. Yeah, he'd be like going to an orchestra and busting out a hurdy gurdy. <laughs> this is the equivalent of like <laughs> what this dude has. Very different instruments, but similar vibe. I see where you're going with it. Yeah, they pass the vibe check. There are two personality traits of Gladiator that are standing mm-hmm. out to me. Sure. One is because you said something about romantic, Darby. And I assume you've seen I'm a hopeless romantic always searching for that special someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also then the one to me is I change my mood or my mind as quickly as I change key in a song. Yes. And that one leaps out to me because we love a YA protag to just suddenly get really angry and then suddenly be crying and then suddenly be like ready to make out. This bad thing happens and suddenly they're like smashing the entire room apart. And they're like, okay, now we need to strategize. Also, you're hot. Because <laughs> we could have gone the Finico Dare route and made them someone actually very calm and the person that mellows everyone out in a situation. But mm-hmm. we've not. We've gone completely the other way. <laughs> well, no, because we need to make a protagonist. And mm. Finnick is not the protagonist. Finnick is like a helpful side character. The protagonist cannot be stable. We've got a firebrand right here. This is like a like a Triss from Divergent. I think you might mean a water brand, Darby, because don't forget. A what? A water brand. A... Rather than a fire brand. Ah! <laughs> I was like, is a water brand a book? <laughs> you know, but no, but I would not be surprised if there is a YA novel called Water Brand out there. The ideals are all really good. The ideals are all very wonderful. I want to know which one you are liking the look of. <laughs> the beauty one makes me laugh. Just because, like, just the idea of him just going, like, ah, me fighting with a trident is just so beautiful. Because honesty, right at the bottom of the list, is art should reflect the soul. It should come from within and reveal who we really are. Like, yeah, that's quite moody teenager. Oh my god. Thanks. Also, that ideal goes with honesty, and I do have to say something very charming about YA protags is their tactlessness. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the reason a lot of them are successful is they're very willing to just be blunt and say dumb stuff. This is very true. That's Triss, that's Katniss, Harry Potter. It's even Twilight, I feel. I feel like Bella's very like, yeah, so what do you all want from me? Like, Bella is like the most no-nonsense member of that cast. Uh-huh. Yep, mm-hmm. So we're going to go with honesty as our ideal. What about bond? Because there's, I think, one that stands out to me, but I want to know what you all think. I think the one that stands out to me is I will do anything to prove myself superior to my hated rival. Absolutely. That was the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's this, like, one person who was maybe a bit of a dick to them when they came out of the ocean, and now they're like, you, screw you in particular. (laughs) But it does feel very YA. I'm looking at it because this is a variant upon the entertainer background. So where it says the word instrument, we are meant to sub in the word weapon. So I quite like my weapon is my most treasured possession and it reminds me of someone I love. 
I actually really like that. It's a trident from one of their parents Mm -hmm. or like their best friend was killed in the gladiatorial ring and was like, take my trident. Mm -hmm. I mean, no respectable YA protagonist can have both parents be alive, present and happy. Yeah. All at the same time. They have to either be dead, a criminal or just like gone for some reason. Mm -hmm. Or the cursed trifecta, like they are dead. They were a criminal. And they were just not present for your entire childhood. Yeah, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. Don't be. She was a terrible mother. (laughs) I mean, we had mentioned that a parent had maybe disappeared or died many years ago. So maybe this is their weapon that's left behind. Yeah, I think so. I think a parent who disappeared to the surface world 20 years ago or something. I just had a Jimmy Neutron brain blast. What if... Because this is... You know, this isn't just a fighter, this is a warlock. What if their parent disappeared many years ago and their parent's old patron has come to collect and been like, oh, your mom's missing. Well, I guess you're just going to have to fulfill her contract in her place. And also the Hexblade canon thing is that you've made a pact with someone in the Shadowfell. And if that isn't a perfect YA Mm -hmm. setting, being like, you have to come from the ocean to this dark, shadowy place full of creatures literally made of visceral negative emotion. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. So maybe it's a Shadowfell entity who made a pact with our Triton's mother. I don't know why I latch onto mother. I just think that that's a very interesting image in my head. Yeah. Who was such an amazing fighter and no one ever knew it was because she had this pact with another entity oh my goodness and then they had to find out our hero heroine had to find out and then was like wow my mother was never really the gladiator she said she was she cheated to get oh that's a good like two years of stewing minimum Mm -hmm. she had to rely on this demon man's power to become where she was and then eventually at the end of the journey they realized their mother was a great trident user and that's why the patron made a deal with her not because she wanted to be better but because she was already great and he's like i need her mutually beneficial (laughs) maybe this patron is like if you don't do it i'll kill your son (laughs) Or maybe your brother. I don't know. Do we want this to be an adult character or do we want it to be like a true like 17 year old YA character? Maybe he took his older sibling that he never knew he had into their service and they're like, you must serve me. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your older son. Brother, Derby. Older brother. No, yeah, but no, the mother, like the mother came into service because oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, this is the patron talking to the mom. Yes, not the, mm. yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I really like this. There's like a younger sibling. I I do really want the younger sibling to be a girl because girl YA has like a whole, (laughs) it has a whole one up on like the brooding characters to boy YA (laughs) and like has an older brother who's somewhere in the Shadowfell and they never met them and they don't even know they exist and they go on this adventure to the Shadowfell, save this brother they never knew existed and somehow break the contract for their mum. While also taking on a contract of their own to release their mother from service. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. 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 This is prime YA content right here. This is... um, So let's think about a flaw then for this character. So I was looking at the list and quite a few are like fame and renown, pretty face. I'm like, I'm not quite sure I like those. I do really like... I have trouble keeping my true feelings hidden. 
or despite my best efforts, I'm unreliable to my friends because it is classic YA to like, no, I will do this alone. Don't you worry. And then all their friends have to rescue Mm -hmm. them. And everyone's like, could you stop running off, please? It's so annoying. Or the like, I promise I'll show up to the super important thing that you really want me to go to. And then some big quest thing happens and they're like, I have to go, but I'll make it back in time for my best friend's piano recital. And then they come back after the whole thing's over. They're like, don't talk to me. You've been unreliable for the last time. I think it is such a thing that YA protagonists are always such bad friends. They are surrounded by amazing friends who would give their lives for them, and they are such bad friends in return. And I feel that that is a particular annoyance of mine in the Twilight Saga. Mm-hmm. That like Bella gets to school, and literally everyone's like, "Oh, welcome, nice to meet you. Oh, you've moved here from Phoenix. Wow, that must be so different. Oh, wow, you're so good at studying. Like you're so clever. It's so nice. Come sit with us at lunch." And she is like, "No." <laughs> No one here wants to be my friend. I'm alone. And I'm like, I've literally just read five chapters of people trying to befriend you. Like, this is your own fault, girl. Yeah, I think despite my best efforts, I am unreliable to my friends is a key YA, like, trait. Mm -hmm. But I do also like the one of the I have trouble keeping my true feelings hidden because I feel like a true YA protagonist needs to have that, like, I have a temper and I lash out and I'm not going to let my inhibitions hold me back. And it's going to be a good thing that I use my emotions. It sets me apart from other people. Their best friends yelling at them. They're like, you don't care about me anymore. You know, you said you would show up to this thing. You don't care about me. Like, clearly you don't. And you never like my boyfriend. They're like, because your boyfriend is cheating on you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should just have both. I agree. Like, I just think we should have both. (laughs) I think especially if we're basing it off of a YA protagonist, those are very flawed characters. (laughs) It makes sense to have two flaws. Great. Should we place abilities, scores, places? Yes. Yeah, we and then we need to pick some like Eldritch invocations and a pact boon mm-hmm. and stuff. We should also pick some class proficiencies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a feat. Should we do ability scores first? So do we think that this is going to be a more of a charisma build warlock or more of a strength build warlock? I think a charisma. I think charisma highest stat and then strength second highest stat, to be honest. Like I'm I'm very happy okay. with that. So the sixteen goes in charisma and the fifteen in strength? Yeah. Yeah. YA characters have this like uncanny ability to be able to draw in people and become this leader figure, even though they've just entered into this world. Because like Percy Jackson, completely new versus like Annabelle Chase, who's been like a half blood for like many, many, many years. He's the Mm -hmm. protagonist because he was just born special, I guess. (laughs) Like rip to you, but I'm different. And all these other characters, Triss entering into. Yeah, it's the whole plot to Harry Potter, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like love wins in the end and Harry loves everyone so Voldemort can't hurt anyone because Harry loves everyone Mm -hmm. and it's like okay (laughs) or Katniss where she's like uncharismatic to the point of being charismatic somehow like Mm -hmm. full circle reverse where she's just like this gruff personality and they're like ah we love you for being so ice cold and like (laughs) just all that stuff Yep. I had thought it would be really funny if their packed weapon wasn't the trident, but it was the net. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Objectively worse. Absolutely. Oh no, I actually really want to do that. That would be so good. <laughs> the net. Like, they get this trident and they're like, yes, this was my mother's. And the sh- like horrible Shadowfell entity is like, no, no, no. Net. <laughs> 
Oh, that's very interesting. It mechanically is a bit messy, mm-hmm. but it's a little too funny for it to maybe not be what I, I would like to do. <laughs> you know, I kind of love the idea because then if we take the improved packed weapon, I mean, nets don't make damage rolls, but it would get a plus one bonus to your throwing of the net. And I kind of love that idea actually. I think we should go with it. And if we're going with it, then that's easy to start out the next thing. I think the 14 should go in decks because... Yeah, you gotta be able to throw it real good. If we're tossing a net around, we need a high decks. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel like the wisdom should be below a stat. I feel like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. YA, mm-hmm. YA novel characters are not known for their wisdom. Maybe their wit, perhaps, but not their wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the idea of the intelligence being the 12 because I think that often it's like, yeah, the YA protagonist is smart enough, but it's their best friend that's really intelligent. Yeah. Yeah, the, the YA protag will not be the most intelligent member of the party, yet will always be the person who does the puzzle at the last minute mm-hmm. to the frustration of the very intelligent friend. Yes. So what it looks like for our stat spread, let's apply our racial bonuses first. So as a triton, you get a plus one to strength, constitution, and charisma, which does feel very YA novel Mm -hmm. to have those be your three strengths. So in total, we're looking at a 16 strength, a 14 dexterity, a 14 constitution, 12 intelligence, 10 wisdom, and a 17 charisma, which there is a feat that is UA, but I think fits really well with the flavor of this character. We can pick a feat now. I'm pretty sure it's called Shadow Something. Okay, because you keep saying how they keep being leaders by accident, so the feat I was thinking of because of your kind of concept of them just being dropped into this world and immediately being charismatic and enigmatic is inspiring leader. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that might fit better because I'm looking at the shadow touched. It gives a bonus to charisma, but it's like you learn the darkness spell, like, and one first level spell from the Illusion or Necromancy it School. Depends. How are we making someone quite goth or someone we actually? Because there's there's two YA options here, right? We can we can go full Shadowfell, or we can go very like the Percy Jackson route, which is like, sure, our person is hot headed and emotionally led, but they're they're also like trying to help everybody else out. There it is. My name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Ravenway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think less goth. I was only thinking shadow touch because we were talking about like a shadowfell patron. Yeah, but I think inspiring leader is too on point. I think we go with it then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't improve your charisma, does it? No, you just get to spend ten minutes shoring up your companions with the resolve to fight, and six friendly creatures get ten HP equal to your level plus your charisma mod. Because nothing gasses me up before the big game, like listening to my captain talk for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a YA novel protagonist is always an oddball, so it makes sense Mm -hmm. that they have an odd number for their best stat. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, in the future, maybe they grow. That's the point of making these characters at level four, is that, you know, they're just at the start of their journey. Maybe their their close friends teaches them how to have a little tact, and that increases their charisma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're just like so blunt and they're like, I don't understand this thing. Like, what do you land lovers like do with this sort of stuff? Like, why don't you just do it this way? Just <laughs> like, mm-hmm. these are not incorrect questions. You are just saying them in a way that is so horrendously insulting that you need to chill. 
It's like those YA novels where the human is plucked out of their regular society and dropped into an alien society, and they're always accidentally rude. Yep. Let's pick some proficiencies for the class. Oh yeah, of course. So we've already got acrobatics and performance. So now you two need to choose two from Arcana, Deception, History, Intimidation, Investigation, Nature, and Religion. I want to say Investigation because they'd be good at like finding stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There's always a scene where someone has to find the thing in the room. I would think intimidation too, because like one of the like classic YA novel protagonist moves is suddenly they're just so angry and they can't control themselves and they're like Mm -hmm. raging. I like it. I like them not being proficient in arcana or history or religion, because one of the things about being a YA protagonist is you're not allowed to know anything at the start about your quest or the background of the world that you're thrown into. Yeah. And that everyone's like... (laughs) You don't know about this basic concept that you should have learned and they're like, no, I'm different. I didn't join your magic school the same way that the rest of you did. (laughs) No, because the author needs a reason to explain it to you. Mm -hmm. Mm. 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 I sense exposition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I know Darby really wants to get to this. We should talk about invocations and pact boons. So I was saying, oh, I don't, I don't really want a Hexblade Pact of the Blade, but actually, I think I do, because <laughs> I can just see someone cutting through the net, and our, and our poor little hero, she's like, no, now I have nothing, my trident is lost, my net is destroyed, and her patron is like, uh, but what about a greatsword? And a greatsword like, just appears in her hands. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, and then it, she's like, I want my trident back. Is the net technically a melee weapon? That might put a little bit of... It's technically a ranged weapon. But with the improved packed weapon, it does allow your weapon to be a shortbow, longbow, light crossbow, or heavy crossbow, which does allow it to be like a ranged weapon. And like, I think it's very funny for that to be counted. That's true. (laughs) I do kind of love the idea of a Pact of the Chain warlock as well, because I feel like it's a very YA thing for there to be like a cute animal sidekick. Always thinking something real ugly, (laughs) just like a fish. Like they're familiar as a fish and every time they summon it just dies on land. Bubbles loves being out on land for the five minutes that he's alive. The only thing is, as well, is Pact of the Chain, right? You want it so that you can, like, maybe cast spells through your familiar, so your familiar can, like, go off and, like, scout for you and then come back. <laughs> like, if we run this adventure on land, ugh, like, if this is an adventure under the sea, this slaps. <laughs> <laughs> but if this is on land, Bubbles is literally the most useless chain creature. Tritons are amphibious, so maybe it's an amphibious familiar. Maybe it's like a mud skipper. I was about to say, maybe it's a mudskipper. I love mudskippers. They're such goofy fish. Just watching them, like, swallow mud and then spit it back out and sometimes in each other's faces. I really like the idea of a mudskipper. They do fine. You just have to moisturize them. Also, right, hear me out. The, the oldest sibling that went missing is actually the mudskipper, but polymorphed. And the protagonist doesn't find out till oh the gosh. end of the second book. Yes. Yes, I love it, because that is Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, 
Hocus Pocus. Oh, yes. What's his face? He had a very old school name that I cannot remember. But yes, Mudskipper is... Oh, and like this Mudskipper is like weirdly intelligent for like a familiar... Like familiars are already like very intelligent, but like this Mudskipper is just like more so and like is smarter than the protagonist. It says the familiar has the same stats of the chosen beast. Can can you make an animal that you know into your familiar? Uh, find familiar, the spell, does summon a spirit that takes on an animal form. It could be the spirit of their older sibling whose body is trapped in the shadow fell. And is turned into a mud skipper. Mm-hmm. Thackeray. His name is Thackeray. Thackeray. Yeah. Thackeray Binks. Binksy! Maybe Binksy's the name of our protagonist. Binksy sounds like oddball enough. Binksy is definitely so right. You've got the intelligent but like stoic sidekick and then the goofy sidekick, right? Obviously uh-huh. the goofy sidekick calls them Binksy and they're like, please don't call me Binksy. <laughs> I can't. This is an amphibious creature who comes from an aquatic place and we're gonna name it Binksy and I just... Jar Jar, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, we made Jar Jar Binks. Oh no. Be some Binksies! <laughs> the familiar's name is Binks, I think. So have we? Are, are we then going with Pact of the Chain? I think Pact of the Chain, yeah. And the familiar is the soul of the sibling trapped in the familiar, unbeknownst to our little Triton. That's sweet, sweet edge. And one of our Triton's quests, after they find out about it, becomes to go and free their sibling's body from the Shadowfell. Yeah. So, for Eldritch Invocations... Voice of the Chain Master is like one of the special Pact of the Chain features. It's like a scouting one. Yeah. You can communicate telepathically with your familiar and perceive through your familiar senses as long as you're on the same plane of existence. Additionally, while perceiving through your familiar senses, you can also speak through your familiar in your own voice, even if your familiar is normally incapable of speech. And then the other pact of the chain one is Gift of the Everliving Ones, which is you get maximum hit die if your familiar is within 100 feet of you and you do any healing. I think that would be cute. Like their older sibling is like protecting them in a way because they're just like, yeah, that's I'm adorable. close to you. Physically, they're spitting mud on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really what they're doing is helping. I think especially because as a Triton, you already can communicate with aquatic creatures. So you don't really need like telepathic is, also, is always nice, but you already kind of have have that communication with your familiar. I love the idea of this Triton having like a jar of dirt, like <laughs> moist mud. That's like, you know, the kind of mud that you put on your face. And when the mud skipper mm-hmm. does the gift of the ever living one, it just sh- takes a mouthful and just spits it directly into the <laughs> Triton's face. And then just like <laughs> uses its like fins to just like slap it into the skin. Okay, so I guess we're going with gift of the ever living ones. Mm-hmm. I had my eye on beguiling influence as a eldritch invocation because it, it gives you proficiency with deception persuasion skills. That's at least the one I was thinking of. I like that one. There's also Armor of Shadows, which is an at-will mage armor. I think it's one of those two for sure. I do quite like it because, especially with a constitution of 14, our character is going to be a little squishy, but why protagonists have plot armor... So maybe this character has mage plot armor. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to need some help. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, cast major armor on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. I think help a girl out a little bit. Give her some mm. armor. Yeah, for sure. I do really like the idea that her patron helps her out even though she's in like this life debt mm-hmm. to whatever this entity is and like she's on the battlefield and she's about to take like a mortal wound and these shadows like blast a spear back and she's like, What the hell was that? <laughs> the patron's just like Matron's <laughs> like free major armor, babe. Here you go. <laughs> I signed on with your mother because she was so competent and you're nowhere near as competent as she is, but I guess I'll have to <gasps> keep you alive. And then just over over time they build a grudging respect for one another and maybe mm-hmm. like in the end there's a greater evil that this patron is trying to recruit powerful people to defeat and like the patron's about to die and they're like oh my god if I die then she'll be powerless I'm going to release her from her bonds like you could just have this power for free without fulfilling any requirements and then he dies <laughs> We're like writing a whole, a whole. We're yo. If any perspective YA novelist out there wants to hit us up and work with us on creating a fully fledged three to five book series on this concept, you can find us on Twitter. Just let us know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the one thing that we are missing, we have named the familiar, but we have not named our character. (laughs) Jar Jar. Oh goodness. We could go with some of the more classical Triton names, or we could go with some of the more classic female protagonist names. What, what, are, what are classic Triton names? Like, are they water-based names, or are they like... Reading the Triton names section on D&D Beyond, it says that female names traditionally end with the letter N, and it seems like they usually end with that, like, in or N sound. So, are you familiar with the work of My Immortal? <laughs> yes, but do continue. Yes. Supposedly the worst fan fiction ever written, but the female protagonist is named Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way. Darkness with an apostrophe after the K. Darkness. You see, because trite names end in N, and Raven is one of those names, I'm like, yes. But I'm trying to think, what's like a goth sea creature rather than a goth bird? Is there a goth sea creature that isn't a kraken? Maybe her name is kraken. But like with a Y-N, not an E-N. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, so (laughs) kraken, but with a Y. I like Kraken and then Dark Apostrophe Ness, to be honest. As her last name. She's like, it's a very traditional Triton last name. There's a million Dark Nesses back where I'm from. And everyone's like, no, that's a a weird name. It's Dar after a great sea serpent that rose up named Dar and Kness after... I was going to say Ness after like Loch Ness. (laughs) Nessie. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh my god. So her party absolutely nicknames her Nessie. Now, is there anything else that you two would like to add to this character? Because if not, I feel like we're approaching done. We haven't picked any spells. And I'm wondering if that's a thing you often do when you make them. Maybe we can pick which cantrips she knows. Yeah, let's pick some cantrips and not fill the rest of the spell list. Eldritch Blast. Yeah, we can take an Eldritch Blast. It's a classic for a reason. Which one were you going to say, Prue? Lightning Lure, because it's very, like, tempestuous. You create a lash of lightning that strikes a creature of your choice you can see. They get pulled 10 feet towards you and take a D8 of lightning damage if they fail the save. Also, very, like, maybe it looks like an anglerfish's, you know, bauble mm. when they throw it out. You know, like a lure and a yank yeah, I was going to say yeah. there's some very interesting things doing there with sea creatures and electricity. Like, I was thinking electric eels. 
Mm. Yeah. I also think it's very gladiatorial. Like if she had a gladiatorial life under the sea, pulling your enemies closer seems like a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't that great of a gladiator under the sea because like moving in water is a lot harder than moving up on land. But as soon as she gets onto land, she's like actually she's much stronger than she is under the sea and like is dominating like gladiator rings. She's like, are land people just weak? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that we're basically taking a lot of damage ones, but I quite like green flame blade. I was going to say green flame blade. And then like, I know the net is technically a ranged weapon attack, but maybe you'd have a nice GM that'd be like, yes, you can magically set your net on fire and throw it on someone. I think why not? As a DM, I would let that happen. I think that same. if it's your packed weapon, there's not really a chance of it burning up. And especially for something that doesn't do damage anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And with Darby's concept of like, they weren't very good under the sea. And like, green flame blade maybe didn't work under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, just get bubbles around your net and they're like, why? Yeah, I love the idea of taking green flame blade. All right, so we need one more. I don't think we were settled on Eldritch Blast yet. We can. I think maybe we can also look and see what our other options are. I was also thinking perhaps true strike because you can get advantage on your first attack roll. So advantage on throwing the net. True strike, I will say though, is actually like a terrible cantrip because it's a concentration cantrip. It sort of sucks to like use your action to give yourself advantage on an attack that you might not get to use. Fair enough. Although a YA protagonist taking something that's not as useful, but for that one time, it's just amazing. <laughs> and it would make sense for a gladiator. Like I, I do think in gameplay, true strike isn't great, but I think it makes sense for this build to have it because like as a gladiator giving yourself advantage in a one-on-one -on -one fight like because true strike also falls apart if there's like 50 goblins but going you i pick you yeah. <laughs> i really like the idea of taking true strike for the very like you i pick you energy of it <laughs> the flavor the flavor of true strike wins through yeah, I, I like True Strike just for the flavor. I'm all about the flavor. Yeah, and this character is, if anything, screams flavor. Annette. <laughs> so the, the cool thing about Green Flame Blade is that it's an action, but as part of the action you attack. So granted, you get a high enough initiative, you just pick them, move out of the way, and then Green Flame Blade throw your net, and then they're mm -hmm. incapacitated. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next turn, you just go up to them and they're tangled up in the net and you stab them with your trident. Especially in smaller, more 1v1 combats, that this is great. Also that, you know, wielding a net gives your entire party advantage against the creature mm -hmm. that you have ensnared. I just love the idea of a net as a pack weapon. <laughs> I can easily see the running gag being they throw the net and then this creature just like cuts it in half and they're like, time to summon a new one. <laughs> well, I think then that Kraken Darkness is a fairly completed character. Prue Darby, how are you feeling about her? I love and hate her. <laughs> which I think is the correct emotional response. And I hope that by the end of the three novel series and then obviously the side books that will come out due to the horrendous popularity of the series, <laughs> she becomes a little more chilled out. Everything in her life becomes a little lighter. Maybe she even changes her name away from Kraken Darkness. <laughs> Maybe her name becomes Kraken Lightness. <gasps> wow. <laughs> and she's like, oh my god, this is such like a deep change because I'm stepping out of the shadow of my patron into the light and everyone's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> and that's better. 
time. <laughs> yes, that was not your problem before. Prue, I think now we're coming to the end of our episode. Would you like to plug anything? Yeah, I will just plug Chasing Tales again. And that is the actual play, Dungeons and Dragons and other TTRPG systems game that I play in on Mondays and Thursdays over on Chasing Tales on Twitch, which is just chasing underscore tales. And yeah, we love sharing our stories with people. We also have videos on YouTube. We chatter on Twitter a lot. We have a Discord. So if you fancy coming and watching some big homebrew D&D adventure or loads of like one shots and mini games in other systems, yeah, we're the little group for you, for sure. You also have, I think, maybe the best personal Twitter handle I've ever heard. Oh yeah, me personally, if you want to come find me in particular, I'm Poopy Pants, which is like Poopy Pants, but with an R after the first P <laughs> on everything. So you can find me on almost every social media under Proopy Pants. And I post about TTRPGs and things. And I also um, appear in other people's live streams. I play some Tomb of Annihilation, which is a D&D 5e module and things like that. So if you want to come find me, I will be posting about my cat, about tabletop role-playing games, probably about Asimar. Yeah, and that'd be nice to meet and see more people in the community. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week for another Chaotic Creation. Chaotic Creations is created, produced, and hosted by Harper Hayes and Darby Pack. Editing is by Harper Hayes and web design is by Darby Pack. The art is by Kiku Hughes, who you can find on Twitter at Kiku Hughes, and the music is by Kevin McLeod. If you'd like to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChaoticPod. You can also join our Discord server by going to our website, ChaoticPod.com, or using our Linktree in our Twitter bio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. It helps new listeners to find us. And tell your favorite nerdy friend about us while you're at it. It's the best way to help us grow. Thanks for listening.